Welcome to By the Ghost Light, where history repeats itself constantly. My name's Ryan. My name's Cassie. And it is Thanksgiving again. Did you know this, Cassie? It's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving again. History repeats itself. I don't think it is Thanksgiving again, because if it was Thanksgiving, I would have a baby. That is a good point. Last American Thanksgiving, uh, I did a jump scare because Leah Michelle showed up to start the Macy's Parade and sang Don't Rain On My Parade. Well, it was a lip sync, but performed Don't Rain On My Parade. And then about a week and a half ago, the Tonys happened, and she did it again. Yeah, which is funny, because not only was she not eligible for a Tony, her show I don't think was eligible for these Tonys. Sure wasn't. So I really don't know why Leah Michelle performed at the Tonys. I do. So that she could get upstaged by good friend and fellow Glee star, Alex Newell. Yes. Corn show for the win. It's corn show for the win. So that uh, we could all live out the fever dream to the extent that Alex Newell gets a Tony Award before Leah Michelle. It's a wild time. Those tote bags got printed fast, Ryan. You sent me a TikTok sure of somebody did. with a tote bag that said that. Literally less than like 12 hours after the Tonys were done. I want that bag. I didn't think about it ahead of time, but I could have. Obviously, we knew that Alex was nominated. Mm-hmm. So it was entirely possible. But that like connection of thought never occurred to me. So the Tonys happened. Yes, they did. Our last episode was big prediction episode. How did we do, Ryan? We... Let me let me tell you, Cassie, we did so good. I think we got at least two. I think we got at least two as well. I think we got at least two. I think that's okay. I think that's a good batting average because um, we talked about how there were, you know, something like 30-something shows or 20, 28 mm-hmm. shows, and between us we'd seen three of them. Yeah. If we got, you know, three of the 30 awards correct, that's about the same. Yeah. You know, I not bad. Uh, my favorite takeaway from the Tonys was that in this great 2017 rematch between Christian Borle and Ben Platt and Josh Groban, none of them won. You know who won? One of the first non-binary, openly non-binary performers to be nominated in a Tony category. Gen Z won. That's who won. We love it. Love to see it. Michael Arden won for directing, which, again, I loved the Into the Woods direction. I thought it was phenomenal, but I adore Michael Arden, and I'm so pleased that he won. He deserves it so deeply. I screamed when Michael Arden won. I was so happy. And the way the room erupted for him, too, yes. watching it. Um, so so uh, we should uh, provide some additional context. Uh, I watched the Tonys live. I didn't. I just got live text updates from Ryan as they were happening. Which I bet is better. It was uh, it was a fun interjection of things I was excited about in the midst of me doing things that I was not excited about. Because I was sitting doing uh, tech week work. Not great. We'll talk about that tech week here in a minute, we but sure we gotta will. run through we gotta run through these winners. There's a whole bunch. Um, best musical, Kimberly Akimbo. I think we got that one. I think we got that one. We did kind of waffle on, uh, you know, Corn Show for the win. Well, yeah, but that was mostly a joke. Yeah, but Kimberly Akimbo won, and Kimberly Akimbo won a lot. Yes, it did. 
Best play, Leopold Schad. I think we got that one too. I think so too. We all kind of assumed it. Best revival was Top Dog Underdog, which I don't think many people got. I don't. That seems yeah, like a, not. kind of a shot in the dark um, because it's not running anymore. So uh, I want to read that script now. Please and thank you. Uh, best revival of a musical went to Camelot. No, it didn't. That's a joke. We all knew that wasn't going to happen. No. In the revival uh, throwdown of the night, uh, Parade did eke out a victory. I think deservedly so. As I said, um, if if Sondheim wasn't going to get it, I wanted Sondheim to get it, but if Sondheim wasn't going to get it and he was going to lose it to Parade, I'm not mad about that. Parade is an incredibly powerful relevant and important show and i am glad that it got the win i wonder if um into the woods just took too many votes away from sweeney possibly like if there was just one sondheim revival if it just kind of automatically wins mm-hmm. so anyway uh speaking of the sondheim revival though sweeney todd we're gonna briefly pause because uh cassie they're dropping tracks one by one i know and i am so mad that I don't have Gaten singing No One's Gonna Harm You yet. We certainly do not, but we do have Jordan Fisher and Josh Groban singing Joanna. That's true. It's delightful. Yes. This is, uh, they're out, they're dropping them out of order. Yes. Which really bugs me. Um, they're, <laughs> it's delightful. I'm enjoying the bit by bit. I would like the whole soundtrack. Uh, but I gotta say that the, the Sweeney Todd highlight for me coming out of Tony discussion is the backstage video of Josh Groban at the Tony performance, just lying on the ground under the fog and then getting hauled to his feet and like yeeted forward by his cast members. It is such a look. I want that video to play in every high school theater classroom for all of time, because that is Josh Groban being told, Hey, go lay down so that we can make this bit and this show work. You're going to do that, and then we're going to just pull you up and go do your thing. But commit and do what, do what the director has in their head. It's going to work. And, and I'm pretty sure that in the actual theater for Sweeney Todd, there's a trap door that he emerges from. I believe so, yes. And so, obviously, Tony Theater is not necessarily going to have all the same kind of stuff that your performing theater does. So there's already some adapting, some flexibility that has to happen to get your Tony performance on the stage. Um but that, I think, is one of my favorite examples of said adapting. Love it. Love it. Because you always see a performance or two do, like, uh, like change up their choreo so that they can interact with the camera a little bit more mm-hmm. or so you can get a different shot or they can go into the audience a bit. Like, they change it a little bit for Tony Night because it's Tony Night. Especially now, like, this performance is the um, publicity that you get for your show. This is it. Yeah. Your three minutes better be worth it. Um, so it's always interesting to see what people come up with. The next group are the uh, actors and actresses who won Tonys for plays, uh, which we didn't see any of. Uh, best performance by a leading actor in a play was Sean Hayes for Goodnight Oscar, um, which I believe is what our, our 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 BGSU producer is working on now. I believe this was a... yeah. I think this is what he was talking about. I think that's was this one. Yeah, uh, Jimmy 
has been making a lot of posts about Goodnight Oscar, so I think he's involved with it in I some way. I think he's, yeah. He had this Facebook post that was like, for the second time in a row, I'm on the, you know, two train carrying a Tony. He then had to clarify <laughs> in comments, he's like, I didn't win this one, I was just delivering it. That's somehow better. I know. That's a better story. Like, yeah. Best performance by a leading actress in a play did not go to Audra or Jessica or Jessica. Uh, Jodie Comer won for uh, Prima Facia and was uh, very starstruck <laughs> accepting that award, which is not not uh, what I expected from her. She's already accomplished so, so much, but it was cool to see that, you know, it means something. Yeah, but like being nominated up against Audra McDonald and Jessica Chastain and then winning it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, me too. I would be the same. Yeah. Yeah, that's the first line of your obituary. Yes. Right there. Uh, Brandon Uranowitz won for performance by a featured actor in a play for Leopold Stad, and Miriam Silverman won f- the featured actress in a play for a sign in Sidney Brucing's window. All of these are not things we have seen. There's a couple scripts I'd like to read, but that's pretty much it for the plays. That's not abnormal. But now we get into the performance awards for the musicals and this is as we've already talked about this is uh kind of where some of the headlines went best performance by a leading actor in a musical not christian not josh not brian not ben jay harrison gee for some like it hot just just uh waltzed right on up there and took it and by all accounts thoroughly deserves it yeah I was I like it when when the the dark horse wins, you know, the upstart. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a good underdog because story. We, we talked about again those three from 2017 getting like pitted against each other again, and then the fourth nominee was is Brian Darcy James, who's like Broadway royalty. He's been in yep. everything, you know. So these huge, really, really big names, and then this relative newcomer, non-binary. Mm-hmm. you know comes in and and smashes the category open and i think that's phenomenal it's so great uh, also nominated was colton ryan for new york new york um if you have not watched the new york new york performance you should it is very interesting they do a tap dance on the top of a skyscraper just like they did yeah just like they did back then you know um uh, but also he plays the sax they have their lead come out and play the sax and i think he was actually playing it okay we love that so it was yeah it was interesting it was a kind of a big band thing on stage so um you know and he's got a voice oh he's got a voice mm-hmm. it was good uh best performance by a leading actress in a musical uh we wanted uh sarah Bareilles to complete her theater kid journey um or annalee ashford for sweeney it did go to victoria clark for kimberly akimbo I mean, I saw it. She deserves it. Yeah, it's I'm not. Amazing. I'm not mad about it. There's a lot of talent in that category. Sure is. Uh, best performance by a featured actress in a musical also went to Kimberly Akimbo. Bonnie Milligan, one of Bonnie Milligan of Archbold, Ohio. Hey, that's not too far from us. Yes, uh, performed at one point with Waterville Play Shop. Wow, little yeah. claim to fame moment for them. Yeah. So uh, that's so that's pretty cool. Um, if you have not. Uh, listen to all of Kimberly Akimbo, which I understand it's story heavy. Sometimes the songs don't fit as well. Um, the Tony performance is the anagram song. It's very interesting. It's very heartfelt. It's very good. And it, it features um, uh, Justin Cooley as well, who was nominated. 
it, it it's very good. It's very adorable. It's very it, it, it's a good portrait of the show. Bonnie Milligan sings her ass off on Better. That might be the single, quote unquote, from this show. It's the one I've seen making the rounds. Uh, so if you're looking for something from Kimberly Akimbo, it's uh, probably that one. It is uh, at least PG-13. You've been warned. Best performance by a featured actor in a musical. Did not go to Justin Cooley, as I just uh, talked about there. Uh, did go to Alex Newell for Shucked as Lulu. Corn Show. Corn Show did win. So something. I think now we really can get Corn Show for the win merch. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, hundred percent. I want to wear that shirt. Actually, I want to wear that. I want to wear that hat. Yeah. Okay. Corn shirt for the win on a hat. With the corn, like a corn image on it, like a right. Get on it, Chase. Cob, you know, green. Yeah. Uh, and that's all the major performance awards. So we have the direction, and we have the book, score, design. We have all of those awards. Uh, have you, Cassie, gotten to go back? I obviously gave you the blow by blow as we went through. Have you gotten to go back and watch any of these performances? I have seen a couple of the performances. Um, I saw Sweeney's. Sweeney's was the best one. Yeah. I, I didn't watch Parades because it's the same promo that they've been doing for the past year for that 100%. show. And yep. it's like, listen, I get it. Ben Platt and Michaela Diamond can sing the crap out of It's Not Over Yet. I would love to see something else from yes. Parade. <laughs> yeah. I was a little disappointed. That they just did the same thing again. I'm like, I've already seen this. This is like, we know it's good. I did yeah. like that we got to see the um, more of the design with the mm-hmm. lights creating the square jail cell. I, I liked that. Um, and that was done well. That's good design. But like, yeah, there's so much more to this show than just this one song. I mean, it's the big one, but come on. Yeah. And I, I watched the End of the Woods performance. It takes two. It takes two. Which I get why they... I get why they chose to do that because Sarah and Brian were both nominated and that's, that's their song. And it gets to show off Milky White who like, yeah, that's, I adore that. And, and they had a very unique problem in that the show is no longer on Broadway, but is on tour. Mm -hmm. So if they wanted to do anything more, they would have had to stop the tour to get everybody back to New York. Right. Exactly. And so again, it, it made sense to do, that song there were probably stronger choices but i i i like it i liked it it was adorable it was good to see the two of them and it was it showed the beauty of sondheim when it's you know just a couple people singing well and also a cow and one of my favorite things about this particular revival of that show is that it remembers that into the woods is a fun show and that's one of the more playful Mm-hmm. moments um the way that it is choreographed and the way that it is directed as this moment between the baker and his wife um where they're just having fun with each other and they're being playful and the cow is there and he's delightful and the cow is there and the cow's having the most fun it was just just so good just so so good i would say that the first act of into the woods is fun there are fun and funny moments in act two as well there are there are much like Romeo and Juliet, the yes. first act, hilarious, hilarious. top tier comedy. And then people start dying. Yeah, and, and it takes a bit of a downturn, but like agony reprise, hysterical. Hysterical. Got to remember you can laugh. Best direction of a play went to Patrick Marber for Leopoldstadt, which won just so many awards. Uh, best direction of a musical, as we already mentioned, went to Michael Arden for Parade. 
Michael finally gets his Tony and was the only person who got bleeped out all night. Oh, yeah. And deserved the bleep out, but also deserved to say what he said. And (laughs) earned every second of that, earned that bleep out. Uh, My favorite thing is that after so after they win their awards, they go back to the press room. Yeah. And they do quickly do an interview with a couple of people and answer questions. And Michael Arden went back. And the first thing a reporter asked him was, could you repeat what you said? It was bleeped out for TV. Yeah. So he did. Uh-huh. And that video is not bleeped out. Right. Yeah. So go find it because I'm not repeating it. No, no. But he he's earned the right to say things like that. You and I, You and I have not. We... We can't. We can't. Exactly. Nope. Uh, but he absolutely has. And I I loved it. Loved it. So great. And and the you know it's good when there's a long bleep and then it comes back and the audience is standing and clapping. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, that was good. We missed something good. Best book of a musical. Uh, we got this one. Kimberly Akimbo. Mm-hmm. David Lindsay Bear because he rewrote it as a musical. Uh, best original score. Music and or lyrics written for the theater also went to Kimberly Akimbo. Uh, I believe we were pulling for K-pop. I think so. To win that yeah. one. You didn't think Kimberly Akimbo was going to take it. No, I thought just their, uh, just the book would take it. But I guess, you know, it's not that the music's bad. Like, that's not the point at all. But I assumed between K-pop or Corn Show or some like it, like somebody else would. Mm-hmm. take the music because the music was not the strong part of that show but whatever it's fine Kimberly Akimbo can win everything at once two more before we get to the technical awards best choreography goes to Casey Nicolaw for some like it hot uh, point of note here is that Casey beats out Susan Stroman for New York New York uh, Sweeney also did not win which is a shame because I saw that choreography from the uh, beginning of Sweeney yeah that was phenomenal because we talked about it in the last episode like I don't know what choreography for a Sondheim show looks like well they performed at the Tonys so now I do and it was amazing yes that's what it is that's what it is forever because it's um, it's not choreography like you think of like big dance numbers it is very finely choreographed movement I wonder how much of that inspiration comes from Hamilton because that's kind of how they did that there. A little bit, but this has a different vibe to me. Oh, it's got a different vibe to it for sure, but I, I that's what it reminded me of a yeah. little bit. Like different music, different tone, different themes, but uh, more more choreographed movement, less dance, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. But... but uh, I want to know, because Casey Nicola was the director of Some Like It Hot and the choreographer of Some Like It Hot. Uh, I don't know where that line is for Tony nomination purposes. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you consider for one and not the other? I don't know. If you choreograph some movement, is that direction? I mean, it can be. Best orchestrations go to Brian Carter and Charlie Rosen for Some Like It Hot. Uh, we had uh, Anne Juliet down for that one. Anne Juliet did not have a good night. No. Uh, st- from, from not winning to not having a good performance. It was just kind of a disappointing night for Anne Juliet. I will stand by my love for this show. It is so, so fun. 
uh, unfortunately, it was not their night. We get into now the there's eight tech awards, uh, which are handed out before the Tony Award. Uh, Telecast goes live, and I'll never forgive them for that. Yeah, they got three hours to do this. They could have the tech awards. They could absolutely have the tech awards. Best costume design of a play goes to Leopoldstadt, and then best scenic design of a play, best lighting design of a play, and best sound design of a play all go to Life of Pi. It's that puppet work, man. That puppet. So uh, a puppet is not a costume is what we've just learned. Yes. This is otherwise they would have won best costume design. So somehow somewhere between scenic lighting and sound, somewhere in all of that is a puppet Is puppet, yep. Yeah, somewhere in all of that is puppet. Best scenic design of a musical goes to New York, New York. Um, Beating Sweeney, Camelot, Shucked, and some like it hot. Um, That Shucked set looked real good. There was a lot of corn everywhere, and I was a big fan of that. But they did do New York, New York, and they did show us how they went up an elevator to get to the top of like top of the Chrysler building to do a tap number on top of the building. And it felt like it. Yeah. It was pretty neat. So good job. Best costume design of a musical. Um, We have some gripes with this. This is like legitimately the one award of the night that I have an actual gripe with. Some like it hot one for best costume design of a musical when it's just a period piece. Yeah. We talked about that last episode. And like, I'm not, dissing the work that goes into researching and building period costumes but there's only so much actual design work that you can do within that and i think if it was all period shows that were up for this okay fine but like and juliet and juliet right there k-pop's on here k-pop you know i don't know they didn't ask us they didn't they should have they should have uh, best lighting design of a musical, Sweeney Todd. Best sound design of a musical, Sweeney Todd. And that is what we have there. So the big winners of the night, Kimberly Akimbo gets five. Some Like It Hot and Leopold Shod each get four. Life of Pi gets three, all technical. Sweeney gets two. Parade gets two. And then New York, New York, Shucked, Primaphasia, Goodnight Oscar, Top Dog, Underdog, and the sign in Cindy Brucine's Window all win one. Uh, big loser of the night is Anne Juliet going 0 for 9. Oof. Not great. I there. think it's really interesting to have a show win best musical or the best revival of a musical, but hardly anything else. It is strange. If Sweeney had won that, it would have made more sense, I think. Yeah. Because, like, Parade, you said, only won two awards, and they were big awards they were direction Mm -hmm. and best revival but it didn't get anything else correct and that seems no tech awards it's an odd group uh any way these get divided up is weird um a christmas carol didn't win anything which uh i will never forgive into the woods went over for six ain't no more went over six and a doll's house went over six Camelot went over five, but we kind of expected that. Right. It's interesting. It's interesting to see how it all falls out. You know, you never really know what's going to happen until it happens. Um, I think we should talk about briefly, uh, if you didn't know, there's a writer strike. And the WGA and the people in charge of the Tonys had to come to um, a series of compromises for this uh, 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 award show to even happen. 
and they did, and they figured out how to do it. And most notably, uh, there was n- there were no teleprompters. There was no script for the evening. I mean, they still, you know, they knew the order of everything and how it was going to go and the timing and the, all of that. But there was no there was no script written out um, to be performed. There was, uh, and the opening number was all dance and movement, no lyric or line, which I thought was a a, a good nod to hey, we're going to embrace where we're at, but also support the writer strike as it's happening. Absolutely. I did think that the sound on my TV didn't work for a minute. Okay. They're like, and now the 76th annual Tony Awards, applause, 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 applause. And then it was silent and stuff was happening. Interesting. And then eventually they got up there and explained it. But they, I think it worked. Um, they kept it light. They kept it funny. Um, somebody took a shot at Ron DeSantis at one point. Cool. Cool. So, it was that. a good night. Yeah. It was a good night. I thought it was interesting that the WGA also asked its guild members to not attend. Mm-hmm. Even if they were nominated. And I don't think that was honored. I don't think so. I never heard anything like official. Yeah, I didn't either. But like I know Sarah Burrells is a member of the WGA. I'm pretty sure Ben Platt yeah. is a member of the WGA. Yes, I believe and they that's were, right. They were there, and they were performing. I think, I think Josh Groban is, too. I think Josh Groban is, as well. Yeah, this was going to be a whole thing. Yeah. And I don't have enough information to really comment on any of it. Just an interesting point of note. You know, we're yeah. in the middle of a strike. Uh, and then also, while we're on the topic of strikes, the um, Screen Actors Guild has also uh, voted to approve a strike mm-hmm. uh, pending... Um, negotiations that are still ongoing and they have until the end of June in theory so more to come there yeah so here this can be a decent segue if we've wrapped up all of our Tony stuff oh yeah I work at the library I'm a children's librarian by day and a theater director by night and um, every once in a while, my shows will do preview performances at the library. And it becomes a really weird, sticky situation for me because I'm not allowed to get paid by two organizations for the same time. Interesting. And so um, that's per the library's rules. And so we had the big kickoff for summer reading program, which is our big, busy time of year. And my kids were doing a performance of Shakespeare's our show that just closed for the preview. So I was literally scheduled to work at the library from nine to one o'clock and then from three thirty to six. But I was in the library building straight through from nine to six. It's just that gotcha. for two and a half hours in the middle, I took off my you library. Were on lunch break. I took off my library name tag and I put on an HYT shirt and I became a director, uh-huh. but I was not technically a library employee during those two and a half hours. And I wonder you if you just happened to be there, right? I just happened to be there. And I wonder if the, uh, the fine print for like Sarah and Josh and Ben was, we're here at the Tony's, but not in a writer's capacity. That would make sense to me. That's a good way of looking at it. Cause if, Felt like a little bit of an overreach by the WGA there, yeah. and like a why, just kind of like a dumb move. Like, why would you, why would you do that? There's already, like, all these compromises have already been made for this mm-hmm. to happen. Why are you pushing? I don't know, but it, I, it was a good award show overall. Yeah. Um, I had, I, you know, I had a good time, uh, sitting there and watching it. 
uh, much like uh, Shake Explosion. I had a good time sitting there and watching it. I'm glad. We didn't really get a chance to talk at the end of the show on Sunday because it was a bit chaotic. Um, Just a tad. So I didn't get to touch base with you. I touched base with you during intermission, but not actually after the end of the show. So I'm interested to hear what you thought of the show overall. I think the script works. I think it's a decent script attempt at putting all of the Shakespeare's together in 90 minutes or uh, two hours, whatever it was. Um, And it moves quick for most of it. There are a couple times I was like, okay, we're stuck with all of this dialogue or we're stuck with the script because we have to get all this out or, you know, and it felt like it just constantly wanted to move faster. And I could feel that, that direction coming through of, okay, every, we just do not stop, do not stop, do not stop, or we're going to get bored or forget what we're doing. Um, And I think it, I think it worked pretty well. Um, Yeah. You can, yeah. You can really tell that the script was written. So I, we're talking about this, and I don't think we've talked about the show on the podcast. My kids just finished a show called Shakespeare, which, if you're familiar with the complete works of Shakespeare abridged, this is the same idea, slightly different font. Yeah. Um, it's aimed yeah. at middle school. And so yeah. it's doing all 30, they're claiming 39 plays for Shakespeare. Um, Depends on your list. Depends on your list. They include Edward III and uh, Two Noble Kinsmen, which are the ones that usually are not part of his canon. Um, But they condense all of them into about 90 minutes. And the play is divided into five acts. It opens with the histories. So you go through all the histories from King John to Henry VIII. And then Act Two is Hamlet. And then Act 3 is... No, Act 2 is Macbeth. Act 3 is Hamlet. Act 4 is The Lover's Tragedies, which is Romeo and Juliet, Antony and Cleopatra, and Troilus and Cressida. And then Act 5 is The Comedies. And then in between each of the acts are little interludes that sprinkle in some of the other tragedy plays. Yeah, some of the other lesser-known ones are ones that, you know, maybe we can gloss over. Um, I did love that Othello was just a handkerchief. I'm so pleased because Othello was the most divisive of the the bits in the show because if you know the story of Othello, it was hilarious. If you do yep. not know Othello, you had no idea what the joke was. You had no idea what the joke was, but the 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 conceit of the whole thing is that most people that watch this do not know yeah. most of these. So I think it worked. Top two tragedies are Hamlet and Macbeth. Um, and, and unless you want to count Romeo and Juliet in that category, but and, but then after that, you've even got you've got Lear, you've got Coriolanus, you've got um, Titus. Titus, thank you. The the meat show, the yeah, the, the, the bloody Todd stump. Show. Yeah, the Sweeney Todd, and Othello's somewhere in there. So yeah. not only that, but also um, Northwest Ohio is very white. So if you had had to really address Othello well, that could have been an issue and, so the script worked around it and the thing is um, I worked around it so I had a couple of very lovely conversations with the playwright while we were in the process of getting rights for the show um, ah. because there were a couple of things that I wanted to change from the script and so I was asking for permission to do that and one of the things I addressed with him was I'm from a very white community and my company is very white and if I can't get a non-white kid to be Othello, I don't want to put Othello on stage because the script calls for Othello. In the gotcha. script, 
Othello comes out. He finds the handkerchief. He gives his a little portion of his speech and then runs off crying. That's the joke in the script. And I said, I would like to change this if I don't get a non-white actor to play Othello. I would like to change this to Iago coming out and finding the handkerchief and just getting this mischievous glint in his eye and going off stage going, hey, Othello. Gotcha. And so yeah. he was like, yep, I think that's a great workaround for your situation. You have my permission to do that. Um, and so that's why it was it was gratifying. Final dress I had um, Zan and Carlin and my husband were in the audience for final dress. And they all of them lost it at the Othello joke. They laughed so hard. And that was very validating for me because it's like I wrote that joke. And all of these people that I've had read the script have been like, I don't get this joke. Hey, hey, Cassie. Yeah, I thought I was gonna fall out of my seat. Yes, it's, it was so good. It's a good feeling. It was so good because I think if I don't know the show moves so quick, but was that the first one that got kind of glossed over? Like it hadn't really happened before. Um, King John kind of gets glossed over in the very beginning. Yeah, 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 yeah. King John. Yeah, but it was the first. Yeah, because it, it was. was hey, it was here's the this first... show you recognize. Yeah, the yes. name you recognize, yes. and we're gonna just gloss over it, and that's half the joke yes yeah it was good so so yeah so it's it's a fun show you can tell that it was written by somebody who knows shakespeare very well and who appreciates shakespeare but also is not afraid to poke fun at the ridiculousness so by the time you get to the comedies he's using the five plays the the conceit of the comedies is that all of these script pages get intermingled with each other they get dropped and they all get mixed together and the two narrators are trying to separate them but in doing that they're noting all of the similarities between all of these different comedies that yeah. was written which is very similar to what complete works does yeah and but, so but done in a different way because it addresses way. the it addresses the, the the pants of it all yeah so they use the five female characters who have to dress up as guys in their show for whatever reason as kind of the driving force behind the comedy section and then you also have the whole mistaken identity element as well because they also throw Antiphilus and Dromeo from Comedy of Errors into that mm-hmm. mix. And then every yep. once in a while the Midsummer Lovers run across the stage screaming. Yep. And that's the bulk of the comedies and then at the very end they do this whole thing with like well you have to keep suspending your disbelief because here's all these other similarities and you'll have one play after another come out and basically have the characters say the same lines like you know, my brother, I thought you were dead. My brother, I thought you were dead. I thought you died when I abandoned you. I thought you died when I left you at sea. Like, all of these different comparisons between the things that are, are the same. And, you know, not afraid to make that joke and be like, yeah, it is ridiculous that there's a character named Sebastian in every play that Shakespeare wrote just about. Yeah. it. I think it all worked. I thought the comedy section dragged a little bit. Just just because they had so many jokes to get through. But I liked it kind of being at the end because then you could put everybody on mm-hmm. stage and you could do the and we all got married joke. Yes. Like, yeah. it all, I think it all worked and that was a good little button for the end. Yeah, I I think that the scene between Rosalind and Imogen took it into taking too long. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially because Imogen is from Cymbeline, which is a play that nobody knows. And so the fact that we're nobody spending knows, so yeah. much time on Cymbeline. It wasn't, you know, tongue in cheek. Hey, we're going to talk about this obscure one because yeah. 
I just happen to know all of this about Cymbeline or whatever the joke yeah. ends up being. And it just wasn't quite there. And I was like, okay, what's the point? The script calls for the, the five pants women. And then it goes to the Antiphilus Dromeo mistaken identity bit. And then it kind of bounces back and forth. Mm-hmm. And it felt like it didn't, it, it felt like that was too much. Yeah. So I agree that the comedies go on a little bit long. I think Hamlet goes on a little long. In this one as well, the whole joke of Hamlet is that one of the narrators wants to do all of Hamlet in the middle of the show, and the other narrator forces her down to 12 minutes. And so we never quite got where I wanted to get with it, which was this idea of like starting out at a normal pace and then getting more and more and more frantic as it went along as we ran out of time. Sure. Um, so did not we never quite got there. And I think it's because that was not necessarily the best way to approach condensing Hamlet for this. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also have the very um, hot take Shakespeare opinion that I think Hamlet is an overrated play and we put too much emphasis on it in general. Whoa. I know. I can't believe I'm saying this to Ryan. No one has ever (laughs) uttered these words to me ever. So, so I personally think Hamlet could have been addressed in a slightly different way that might have been funnier. Mm-hmm. I don't think Hamlet was the funniest part of the show. No, it was not. I enjoyed it, and there was there was a pirate battle. There, I do appreciate the addition of the pirate battle, which yeah. he has in there as an optional scene. Like, you don't have to do the pirates. No. And I'm like, of course you have to do the pirates. Yeah. And... Well, I get, like, if you're really trying to stick to 12 minutes, maybe you don't do that. Like, maybe Although, whatever. But you guys were under 12 minutes, so yeah, it was fine. Bob Walters, a uh, former Friend student of, of ours, was at the show. And as soon as it was said, you have 12 minutes to do this, Bob pulled out their stopwatch and timed the performance of Hamlet. I would expect nothing else. Exactly. And apparently we came in at 11 minutes and 59 seconds. Good, good, With good. Pirate Battle, so. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I have done Complete Works, uh, Abridged Revised. I have very, very fond memories of that show. Um, so that one will always stick out to me. Um, but I was interested to see how another attempt at that would work, mm-hmm. especially when the, the conceit of Shake Explosion is um, we're not going to limit ourselves to three people and we're going to have kids do it. Yes. Um, and it worked. It worked. It did. This is the most tiny children I have worked with this directly in a long time. It's exhausting. It It is. So I, I had a cast of 35, 34 kids and one adult. And... Of those 34 kids, I had 11 of them who were 10 or younger. That's a lot. It Yeah, it was. I love their energy most of the time. I love their enthusiasm mm-hmm. most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they really stepped up. They did what I was asking them to do um, because it wasn't like in a musical where you can just shove the little kids into the chorus scenes. Right. And pair them with an older student who will be, be in charge of them and it's fine. Like, my 11 itties were the narrators for the history. Like, they had to memorize names and dates and yep. and long, complicated lines with lots of titles. And they did yeah. a very good job with it. They did. They did. Um, however, 
this is that is not my age group to work with, which is something that's been solidified through the show. I love them. I'm glad they were part of this, but it is just a learning opportunity for me to be reinforced. Like I have so much more appreciation for my dad after the show because he directs the six to 12 year old production every year. And how many times, how many times did they kill your dad? Uh, about eight, I think. I think it was eight. Yeah, I was going to say it wasn't quite 10. Wasn't quite 10. That's the other conceit is that the one adult actor um, is not supposed to know what he's doing before he comes on stage to do it. And he always ends up getting killed. Yes. It was a good bit. It was a good, good solid bit. bit. It was good a bit. real solid ribbon, bit. Ribbon, and then Ribbon Dancer of Death was also a Ribbon a Dancer solid, of Death, solid that was all bit. me. That was not in the script. That solid was a, bit. That was good a work. 3 a.m. idea that came to me like two days before auditions. If you don't have... I was thinking about it because you had mentioned ahead of time that that was not scripted and that you had done that because you needed your sword child to have a job. Right, yeah. Um, and you trusted your, your talking sword to uh, tell everybody when to die. I don't know how you do the histories without that because it moves so quick and it's the only way to keep track of it. Yeah, and that was part of it was like I needed to figure out how to get all the dead people off stage during the histories, but also... And again, this may have been me thinking too much about it, but also when the the adult actor comes out for the first time, they announce King John. He comes out with like a cue card that says, it says here I'm supposed to play King John, but I'm a little nervous. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. And another character comes up and gives him a goblet and says, drink this. It'll relax you. And then he drinks it. And the joke being that in King John, King John dies because he's given a poisoned water. Right, which no one knows. Which no one knows. And also then the script says, you know, he drinks from it and then he dies dramatically. And I'm like, okay, but if this adult actor came on stage and the conceit is that he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing before he does it, how would he know that he's supposed to die when he drinks from this prop? Good point. And I was like, okay, then I will combine the answer to both of these problems and I will have this ribbon dancer, Spectre of Death, who comes on, waves the ribbon and informs the adults now you're dead. I don't think she ever stopped smiling. Oh, no. Because she's delightful. And she had so much fun killing everyone. She killed your onstage audience. She did. And they all, they the day I was there, I don't know how it went other days, but the day I was there, every one of those onstage audience members committed. Uh, so we, we had onstage seating. It was very Shakespearean. Um, there were 12 there were nine to 12 people every night who went and sat on stage and they were given instructions prior to the show starting when they were getting seated. And one of the instructions was if a tiny child waves a black ribbon in your face, uh, play along. And at that point you should know what to do. Good. If you've been paying attention. Um, so yeah, so we had all of these young kids who were working very hard, but like they are inexhaustible and I am not inexhaustible. Both because I'm pregnant and because I'm 34. Their brains are working so fast. They have so many questions, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Like, I would say something. I would give a piece of direction that I thought was so clear and that could not possibly be questioned. Like, hey, at the end of curtain call, don't stop to pick up all the props that are littered on the floor of the stage. I need you to get upstage of the curtain because otherwise it will run into you and knock you over and that's not safe. Yeah, that didn't happen. I was like, hey, there's no way that a kid could possibly have a what if question to that piece of direction. It is very clear. 
There's no way that they could need more information. There's no way that they could have a qualifier. And inevitably, some kid would raise their hand. And it was always either, turns out they do have a what-if question scenario mm-hmm. to this. Or? Or they have a question about something completely unrelated that just popped into their head. There it is. There it is. Or, that sounds right. my favorite, they feel like I was not clear enough, but they know what I meant to say. So now they're going to share that with the rest of the cast. Yeah, so it's not a question. They just want permission to talk. It's not a question. It's, well, I have a tip for how to go about doing that. And I'm like, is your tip to do exactly what I just said and turning it upstage so you're not in the way of the curtain? Cool. Don't need to say it again. I already said it, friend. Yeah. So, no, I love I love the little kids. I really do. But they are not my age group. They're a lot. They're a lot. I have two of them. They're a lot. I'm glad that they were there. I'm glad that they were part of the show. But who boy. Who boy. They take a lot of energy. Well, and now we are on a uh, you're on a several month break. Yeah, to have a small child of my own. Yes. To have your own small child. Yeah, 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 yeah. This one you have to keep. Yep. I am on a bit of a break, but also not really. I have Octa next week. That's right. This coming Saturday. How is that going? It is um, uh, always strange to take a full show, cut it down to the thirty minutes or so, uh, you know excerpt that we're taking and then also you know cut down and change set or props or okay what can we do without this can we do without that can we figure this out so we had that run through last night and then we'll have two more run throughs later this week to, to, to finish figuring it all out but man I uh I did not miss performing this well-crafted bummer it is a well-crafted bummer we are, of course, taking uh, a bummer part. Of course, because there's no part that's not a bummer part. I remember when we would take stuff to Octa Junior, if you're not familiar with it, it's this like regional kind of competition, but also kind of part celebration of, of regional theater. And at least for the junior version, I think it's the same for the, the main Octa. Mm-hmm. You get a 45-minute time slot but within that 45 minutes, you have to set up your entire set and be able to tear down your entire set. It is close to that. So for Okta, for this weekend, for me, we have 40 minutes to set up and perform and then a separate five-minute timer okay, for, tear for tear down. And I remember doing stuff for uh, for Okta and being like, okay, cool. So that means that if our set is incredibly minimal... I actually can fudge it and I can put like 35 minutes of material on stage. Sure can. 100%. And I remember getting a comment from one of the organizers once. She was like, you and this one other regional director, she's like, you always stress me out because you run right up to the end of that timer. And I'm like, of course I do. I want to take as much of my show as possible. We are sitting at about 20, 28 minutes, I think was our run time. Okay. So but I'm sure that your setup is fairly extensive. I don't think so because I don't think we're taking uh, walls. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Because it, it would just be a whole thing. And I think you have to put your set within the play space as defined. Yeah. There's a, a 24 by 16 rectangle that you get to perform in and everything has to go in that. Yeah, everything has to fit in that. And everything has to fit in a 10 by 10 square backstage as well when you're not performing. Also, yes. Now, the good news is that there are uh, 
two communal doors that are being provided for all shows to share. Okay, excellent. So you, so we don't have to bring our own doors. That's nice. Which is great because we do need both of those. I do have to break down a door at one point. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. We did talk about taking a less bummery part of the show. We could have just taken all of Act 2. Mm-hmm. Um, Act 2, Scene 1, not great, but none of it is. It's it's before the date, and then Act 2, Scene 2 is just the date and the aftermath of the date. And that ends that ends with a very heartfelt conversation and the kiss, and these two people have found each other. And then the show could stop there. We could have just taken that. That could have been the excerpt. And then everybody went, no, no, this isn't representative of the work we did. Yeah, that's that's valid. It really is. Yeah, so we're taking Act 3. When I did Romeo and Juliet with HYT and we set it on a playground, we had a geodome on stage as part of our mm-hmm, playground mm-hmm. set. Yeah. And we didn't end up going to Octave Junior that year, but... um because that was fall of 2019 so octa junior didn't happen the next year that's yeah. um but back when we were still like potentially going to octa junior the kids were like we should take romeo and juliet and we should take the geodome and i'm like guys the geodome literally will not fit in the space provided for us backstage this yeah, geodome will not fit in a 10 foot by 10 foot square <laughs> yeah you can't do it you know how long it's gonna take to put together we would have just taken have it in one pieces. piece like Jeez. But they were like, you could take it apart halfway. And I'm like, it took five hours to put this thing together. Like, no, we can't not. And have it be structurally sound. It would just be an impressive set piece in the middle of the stage. But yeah, so Octa's fun. I'll be interested to hear how that goes. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But then, uh, then, you know, it's summer and time for a break. We'll figure out more shows later. It'll be interesting. It sure will. A new season of shows will be upon us sooner than we think, Cassie. Oh, believe me, I know, because Liz is already asking me questions about my next show so that she can design the set for it. And Chase is like, let her have a baby. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming along with us today. We hope you find our Tony recap worth your time, um, especially if you didn't watch it like Cassie. And uh, she can still figure out a way to talk uh, smartly about it so this is why you should be listening to us good content uh, we're part of the ghostlight media network you can find us at ghostlightmedia.com all the other fine shows on the podcast and thank you to our backers over on patreon without whom this show and this network would not exist hey ryan yeah cassie uh all those people who do listen on patreon and who listen to our episodes more recently than you and i have and maybe keep yeah. track of the bits that we do when we say like oh we should do that for a patreon episode uh, we have because a, we, we don't have a write Patreon episode coming up. Uh, which of those bits that we've joked about would you actually like to see? Put it in the Discord. Yeah, get at us on the Discord. We will do it. Within reason. We will probably do I it. I will not watch Cats. We have to have a line that we will not cross. <laughs> exactly. This is our picket line. Well, thanks for coming along with us. I'm Ryan. I'm Cassie. And join us next time by the Ghost Light. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.